0: everyone welcome to Maroon 5 a podcast for people who love to listen and talk about music my name is Jim Bowen and I'll be your host each week I'll have a new guest and challenge them to give me five choices of music they would take if marooned on a desert island three albums one compilation and one song today I'd like to welcome to the show Benjamin Morin, or as his fans in comedy call him, Ben Jammin when he's on stage. I've known Ben since he was probably 12 or 13 years old. I can honestly say out of everybody I've brought onto the show, Ben is the guest who's known me longer than anybody else from any of my other podcasts. And it's great to have him here. Ben and I did not keep in touch for 30 plus years. We met up again on social media. And I found out he was doing some great comedy work in Texas, along with being an awesome dad. It was very obvious and a family man. And I had to get him on the show. Ben, welcome to Maroon Five. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Uh, thank you, Jim. I, I, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of weeks now and absolutely love it. Uh, amazing content. So uh, thank you. Thank you.
0: Having- thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I, we've known each other for a long time, but we hadn't really been in touch other than just the power that is social media. But uh, how old do you think you were w- when we met? I had to have been about twelve or
1: thirteen. I mm-hmm. mean, we had uh, a mutual friend that that introduced me to one of the albums that we'll bring up. Yeah, um, and so I know they were about four or five years old. They were
0: your age, so yeah, yeah. I was
1: probably about. I was probably about. Thirteen.
0: Yes. It's funny. I, I know your family well. You know, I went to school. Your older sister was a year ahead of me. Your older brother was a year behind me. So I was just between them. Your mother was our secretary in the school. <laughs> so many times she probably saw me get walked to George Vanna's office after I'd been kicked out of something. Uh, so it, it, it means a lot to have you on the show here today. Yeah. Well, we also uh, work next door to each other because when you were working at the movie
1: theater, I was working next door at the video store. That's right. What was the name of the video store there?
0: Uh, video City. Okay, yeah. that's right. That's great. Right
1: next to the bowling alley. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that small <laughs> town America, right there. The bowling alley, the movie theater, and the video store. You've done some really cool stuff with comedy over the past, I don't know, five to ten years. I, 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 I want to ask you what the future is. But the first question I really want to ask because. I was a theater major originally in school. I did improv acting, and I've always been curious about stand-up. And I I need to know what that's like—the very first time you decide you're going to put yourself out there and get up on stage and try to make people laugh. And what what prompted you to do that?
1: So I started out doing improv. Uh, weirdly enough, I. I was more of a behind the scenes thing. You're growing up as a kid, I was always the guy in class who uh, wrote the jokes that the class clown mm-hmm. would use. <laughs> so when the teacher would get mad at somebody, they get mad at them. But I, I got credit for the joke, so I was good with it. Uh, but you know, about ten years or so ago, I was I had a cubicle job. I was bored with life. Uh, was kind of shy and and stuff like that. And so I went to sign up for a stand up class just to get out of my shell. Uh, unfortunately they didn't have one available that cement, that season when they were doing the classes. So I took st- uh, improv instead, fell in love with it, loved being on stage, realized that as nervous as I get talking to people, I don't get nervous when I'm on stage. So I took a, a stand up writing class from a, a great local comedian here mm-hmm. in Dallas named Dean Lewis. The class was great. I got an opportunity to go do stand up for the first time, at the theater in Dallas where they found Lee Harvey Oswald, after he (laughs) killed Kennedy. It's it's literally that theater. And it was a show called the behind the screen uh, show. And they would have standups come in every month from around the state. And they would give the chance to somebody called the Rookie of the Month. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had a friend who had done it a few months before. She recommended me. I got up there. It was my first gig. And it was my first paying gig because I got a drink coupon. So (laughs) I was so proud of myself because I guess
0: at that point, you're technically a professional. You are. You you get drink coupons. You you are. So,
1: yeah, it was fantastic. Um, It really helped that. The Some of the other stand-ups before me had also worked in improv as well, and they had friends who were from the improv community because none of my family or friends came to my (laughs) show. Uh, I didn't really want them there. I talk about my wife a lot, my Mm stand-up, and my kids, and as much as they know my
0: jokes, they're not going to laugh at them if they see me on stage. (laughs) They've heard them a thousand times already. Let me ask you, are you you able to practice those jokes on your wife and your kids before they come see you, or do you just get eye rolls and... So my wife
1: is, um, is the most beautiful woman, but she is of German descent and I'm not trying to knock Germans, but her sense of humor is very different than mine. Uh, so I know if a joke is funny, if she just smiles, <laughs> if I can get even just a crack of a smile, I'm like, that is gold. That's great. I will, I will keep That's that. Great. So.
0: Well, well, what, what are your plans then now for the future of comedy? What do you got going on next? Yeah, I'm still doing a little bit of stuff on stage. The pandemic has slowed that down. But, um, you know, one of my
1: other passions has always been filmmaking. So I'm working on creating a YouTube channel Mm -hmm. that is going to be um, a mix of uh, stand up comedy and just general life vlogging type of things. So, um, yeah, when I get that ready, I'll I'll send you a link if you want to post it or share it with anybody. That'd be great.
0: The stuff that I've seen that you do for stand-up is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to see what you got coming in the future. No, it's great. And thanks for telling us all about that. Uh, let's get on with your marooned 5 then and find out what your uh, castaway cuts are going to be tonight. We've got the five choices, three albums, one compilation and one song. So let's start with your very first choice. What is the first album you're going to bring, castaway cut number one?
1: All right, so the first one uh, comes from that mutual friend that we have. She actually lent me a copy of this album, mm-hmm. and I made a copy and I played it in my uh, little Walkman uh, over and over again on repeat because my mom was never to know that I was listening to this music. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, Violent Femmes and their their uh, self titled Violent Femmes album. Yes, just beautiful music. It was eye-opening to me because before that I think you know my life was mostly like Huey Lewis in the news right it was it's not so bad (laughs) not so bad but it's like radio pop right there was there was nothing that was groundbreaking that was uh, just as as just beautiful in a
0: weird way as the Violent Femmes was I agree Um, I agree the Violent Femmes are described as acoustic punk and it, yeah. it's just so unique, and it is a really, really neat sound that they've kind of created a, a career out of in a massive way. I was surprised. I didn't do as much research for this show. I wanted to talk more about the music, and I didn't decide to come with a lot of facts. But And not this album in particular, but I was surprised to see that the Violent Femmes had sold over 9 million albums over the course of their career. And they're, they're big hitters that have had a big impact. Uh, what songs on this album, with not counting the first four, stand out to you?
1: <laughs> you know, I have to say, if I don't count the first four, uh, "Gone Daddy Gone." Yeah, uh, it's it's it just feels so fun, and and everything on that album, while it probably has been used, feels like it could be on a soundtrack to any movie. Mm-hmm. And, and "Gone Daddy Gone," I know I've heard it in a dozen movies, but it's it's got this pacing and this the sound that I had never heard before growing up. And it's just it. the whole album does it for me. It's
0: I can listen to it start to finish every day if I want. And you can leave it on. We'll talk about those first four songs because they are, I think, epic to many young teenagers that were coming of age in the late 1980s, early 1990s, and you have blister in the sun. You have kiss off, which is just a great follow up, please don't go and then add it up was one of those songs where if you were ever at any type of youth group meeting, or anything going on back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was going to be some kind of acting out or dance off to add it up amongst the group of people that you were with. (laughs) Uh, What was it like for you? You were then like 12 or 13 then when you were hearing these songs?
1: It was it was so bizarre because I mean, honestly, the only time I really listened to it was when I was in bed at night with my little Walkman and my headphones under the blankets. So my parents didn't see what I was doing. <laughs> uh, they, they you know, they probably thought I was some weird deviant because I would be like, I'm going to bed now <laughs> and run off and listen to violent femmes. But I mean it was it was such an eye-opening thing because before that I had never listened to real music. I had listened to stuff on the radio, stuff that had like a, a pop flair to it. But I never really understood music.
0: Was this that point in your life where you were looking for music on your own instead of just being served up what was being played around you? Yeah, yeah. I was looking for something that kind of coincided with that,
1: you know, that uh, early teenager kind of um, emotional growth that you're going Mm -hmm. through, those, those emotional changes. And none of the music that I had listened to before then really. Spoke to me, and it wasn't until songs like this that had both, you know, there's there's a story in the lyrics, but there's also just emotion in the the tones and the 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 vocals. It's just it's it fit, yeah, and it's just that right time in life, you know. If it had been ten years later, you know, it it might have been I don't know a lot of more set right, but it wasn't. (laughs) It was it was
0: this, and that's that's where that carried through. That's great. I I don't know if you've ever seen them live. I had the opportunity to see them, I want to say it was 1998, 1999, wintertime, a place called the Pickle Barrel in Killington, Vermont. And it's a small club with a balcony up above. And my friend and I, when we, when we got in, we were like, ah, we don't really feel like being down on the floor with everybody. Let's go up to the balcony. And I stood over a balcony and it was probably only about 15 feet from the stage, 20 feet from the stage, just looking down on all three of them lined up playing these songs. And then at the end of the night, I knew where they were going to exit the building. I'd been up the stairs. I knew where the downstairs was. And I ran down the stairs to meet them right at the exit. And I reached my hand out and got to do a handshake high five with the lead singer of the Violent Femmes. And it, it's one of those moments. There are a lot of famous people I've, I've shaken hands with, but I had that moment with the lead singer of Violent Femmes. And I also had that moment with Ice-T and Body Count. <laughs> that is an awesome dichotomy. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh. Uh, but no, it's, it, you know, it was so much energy. And do you know that the bass player from the Violent Femmes is from Vermont? Is he really? That is yeah. awesome. So he's from Vermont. And at the show, he played the Vermont State Anthem <laughs> and sang it on bass. The fact that anybody knows that, it blows my mind. So. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Well, let's find out what Castaway cut number two is. What's the second album that you're going to bring? All right.
1: This one's a massive departure
0: from the first. Um, okay. And I'm going to a little context to
1: it. Most people look at the beginning of the pandemic as a very scary time. You know, we're we're locked mm-hmm. up in our homes. We couldn't really do anything. I actually found it to be a very rewarding point in my life, weirdly enough, um, because I have a son who is he's 19 now. But at the time he was 17. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was very, very busy at school and it forced us to all be at home together. And this next album, he and I would work out every day together. We'd box for about an hour to two hours every day. That's cool. And this this album, I let him pick what we listened to and I fell in love with the album. It's such a bizarre take, but uh the album is Lil Uzi Vert, Eternal a Take. And it's from 2020. It's his second album. It, yeah. it is it is um modern rap, but it is it's fun. Uh it's <laughs> got high energy. And and I can't tell you which of the songs are my favorites. I've got a few that I really love, but you know, what did you
0: mm-hmm. think when you listened? Has you listened to it? oh boy, you know, if your son comes and listens to the show now, I don't want him to hate me. I I, I have a tough time with trap rap.
1: Yeah.
0: I really do. That You know, uh, I even went into some of the reviews. I did read. I don't care. Okay, I didn't do any. I did do some research sure. on this. And I went and looked at all the reviews and I, I saw what people were saying about the album. One of the things that I miss about rap is the, 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 the groove and the melody that doesn't really exist in trap rap for me. Trap rap is more, you know, on top of the 808s, the beats just dropping it down in. And I'm probably not even saying that right. So somebody will be laughing at me. I'm trying, I'm 49. Come on, (laughs) give me a chance. And as we sit here and discuss this, I have a very funny memory of being the same age as your son, 19 years old and going to the store, picking up something, driving back home, getting out of the car and, My dad saying, I'm going somewhere and him getting in the car and going somewhere and coming back and getting out of the car and saying to me, I don't know what that music is that you were listening to, but don't let your mother hear it. And it was the soundtrack to New Jack Hustler with Ice-T. Now, we're from Newport, Vermont. What do we have (laughs) to relate to riding around in a car, (laughs) singing along to that? you know?
1: You obviously never met my brother. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, remember driving through Newport, listening to rap with him all the time, and it was completely uh, cultural appropriation and and <laughs> all kinds of horrible things going on. But, you know, at the same time, you know, music connects to us in different ways and, and at different times. It does. Yeah. We
0: love the music. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and I would get in trouble for singing... Um, Uh, Beastie Boys lyrics. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, but were we really caring what they were saying? Were we really listening to the words uh, or are we just enjoying the moment? Right. And what our friends are bringing to us and what we're experiencing in the cultural zeitgeist.
0: And, And that's what you experienced with your son. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to have that time and to look at it with that type of positivity and have it be so impactful on your life the time that you got to spend together that when you think about how when i go to this island you know and i've got just these albums to bring with me i'm gonna bring this one because this reminds me of the time with my boy and you can't beat that yeah yeah that's great so then i guess we move on to castaway cut number three what's the next album you're taking
1: so this one was a challenge for me because you know once i get to this third one I wanted to bring my probably my favorite vocalist with me, one of my top five favorite vocalists with me. And um, as much as I love everything that Pearl Jam has done, uh, Eddie Vedder's ukulele songs from, Mm -hmm. I believe it was 2010, 2012, somewhere in there. It was
0: around then, yeah.
1: Yeah. um, I don't know why, I just love the album. I think that the fact that he could take um, an instrument that is generally considered to be, subpar right it's not like it's not some crazy 12 string guitar or something it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a ukulele yeah and and like his and that's really voice. it
0: folks if you haven't learned heard the album it's a ukulele it's just him that's and, a ukulele. It. <laughs> and that's it and the funny thing is
1: i didn't even know it came out one of the songs was playing in the background of an episode of um oh, i can't remember the tv show but it was playing in the background of an episode of a tv show and i was like that's Eddie Vedder, <laughs> yeah. but that's not Eddie Vedder because uh-huh. he's playing ukulele. <laughs> but I did. And then I went and I listened to that album like that night. I stayed up all night listening to that album over and over again. And I can listen to that while I work all day. Just it's so beautiful. It's so lovely. It's, it's, it's mildly mm-hmm. experimental, but at the same time, it's not. It's you can tell Eddie Vedder is so
0: at home singing those songs. For every album that's come onto the show, I would probably say this one will go into a listening repertoire of mine more than any that I've been introduced to. I really enjoyed it. I would not heard this album until you sent it off to me and I'd seen it out there. There There's part of me. That's just kind of like, I don't want to listen to any better. Just play the ukulele and sing. And then I put it on and I realized that every single camping trip I go on in my life has to be accompanied by this album Marooned on an island. Marooned on an island. Well, there's your campfire at night. If you start a fire. (laughs) You know, it's it just has an incredibly cool feel. And I'm going to compare it a little bit to his new album, Just in One Slight Way. And his new album's by far more like Old Pearl Jam, in my opinion. And I enjoy that. But with the new album, it's Eddie, 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 Eddie. And then he brings some guests on to do some things. And on this because I'd I'd heard the new album first and I'd read a review of it. And I didn't realize the way that Eddie Vedder likes to set up his solo albums is so they're like a show. And he brings the special guests on at the end because it's like the buildup to the finale. And then he finishes with that little dream, a little dream for me.
1: (sighs) And I love that song. I mean, that song, I don't care who has sung it. You know, I mean, the movie it would have been one of my you know, choices if I could have used that one. But I, there's so many options. Uh, but I love "Dream a Little Dream." I love mm-hmm. Eddie Vedder. In in the last couple of years, I've been learning to play the ukulele because nice. for stand up, it's so much fun to be able to play stand up. You know, do it while you're yeah, on stage. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it just all comes together for me. And then the, the song, I will tell you, my standout song for the album though was uh, "Sleeping by Myself." Mm-hmm. Second, second song on the album. Uh absolutely love the song. And I believe that's the one that was on the background of that TV show that I saw okay. that I can't remember the name of, but uh oh, it was Castle, the TV Castle. show. Castle. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that classic television that show. Classic Castle. television. And it was so weird because I I mean I was just it was in the background. I walked through the room and I was like, that's Eddie Vedder. That's really good, Eddie Vedder. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went and listened to the album, and I I still I I love listening to it. I mean, it's been what ten years now almost since that mm-hmm. album came out, and I can still listen to it every day. Um, it's it's in my it's in my rotation constantly.
0: You know, the funny thing is, is the songwriting itself didn't it, it didn't separate itself miles away from Pearl Jam. It was just on a ukulele, and that's one of the things I like about the opening track. It has this riff build up you know i don't know the names of the tracks i do apologize but the first track you know it has that riff build up where if it had been stone gossard and jeff ament and you know the whole band bringing an album in but eddie's able to capture it and he does this with quite a few songs on there where they're not just you know don't be disillusioned people this is not an album that is like slow tunes and little he's not trying to sing somewhere over the rainbow he's writing rock songs and rock ballads and playing them on a ukulele i feel like
1: it's it's experimental and yet not at the same time it's kind of proving the case that music uh of that style and genre that he is so just he's owned it for like you know 30 years right yeah yeah it's just he's showing that it, it it comes from the artists and it's not, don't worry about the instruments. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think back to some of their earlier stuff, he had an album that uh, a song that was, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was an accordion for like yeah. five minutes. <laughs> uh, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and was that one that you always skipped, but I would listen <laughs> to it uh, because he's got, he's willing to experiment. And that album, I mean, this album really shows him experimenting,
0: mm-hmm. but experimenting in his comfort zone. He oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. You can tell he's loving what he's doing. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that one with me. Like I said, that one is probably one of the albums out of this whole show I've done so far that I'm going to continue to listen to. And surprisingly, because I kind of did give up on Pearl Jam a few years back and thought I wasn't going to get back into any of their music. And it's nice to revisit it. And, you know, it's it's like getting back together with an old friend. So, yeah, having Eddie yeah. there is good. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about your castaway cut number four, and this is your compilation. And I do know what it is, but you're going to tell the uh, audience what the choice yeah. is. What is it? Yeah. So uh, choice number four,
1: I wanted to build, I I'm a movie buff. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I met watching movies, right? Yes. A video yeah. store, the movie theater. Mm-hmm. I went to film school for a while. So my compilation was definitely going to be a movie soundtrack. Thinking about movie soundtracks that define generations and define our generation, there's a couple that come into play. You know, I could think of um, Reality Bites would have been a great choice, right? But, But the one that I felt, you know, Reality Bites is how we saw ourselves, but this one is really how we actually were. And it's Empire Records. You know, when you think about, like... The movies that define who we are and we look at these you know reality bites damn the man this is what we do we stay in our uh, apartments and and toke up all the time no no, no that's not the reality <laughs> no. of it we were just fun loving kids mm-hmm. who worked in video stores and record stores and you know movie theaters and and listened to fun music and played with our friends and this movie and the music that went with it just i love it all i mean <laughs> the cranberries uh, are in there right and, and yeah. when i hear the cranberries I, I tear up uh, mm-hmm. not, not from sadness, but for just the joy of all the memories I have of listening to the cranberries while driving, uh, you know, up into Canada with my buddies or whatever, and all the music that came in that album, there's, there's nothing there that I didn't absolutely love.
0: It's a great album. It has some of the great nineties, 90s- Kind of indie rock bands that fell under the radar, in my opinion, of that superstardom. that were creating great music, the Jim Blossoms. They yeah. had great songs during the 90s. Uh, Told the Wet Sprocket was another band that was absolutely superb. They still are. They've got albums still coming out today. Well, today, this year. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed going back and listening to it. I guess I have to say that when I was watching it, because I did watch the film to get ready for the show I decided this is what I'm going to do the one thing that surprised me and I'm sure it comes down to you know licensing and rights and things like that is it seemed to me like the songs that were the biggest in the film weren't on the soundtrack yeah you had video kill the radio star which is the lead in to Rex Manning Day which if anybody doesn't know is April 8th coinciding with the death of Kurt Cobain purposefully they did that
1: Ah,
0: i didn't know that that's a cool fact so that that that's something that they did on purpose and also the big drum song is an acdc tune that that never wound up on it's not an acdc tune i really know you know but it's a it's a huge part of the film and then also they should have just made the Rex Manning, I Say wish No More song, a secret track. S- say <laughs> No More, Mona
1: Moore. I love that song. <laughs> I don't know why. It's the trashiest piece of garbage. <laughs> it's great, though. Uh, it's so great in the movie, and it uh-huh. fits so well. And I don't I don't know if you knew. I, I never knew who the guy was. Um, but at the end of the movie, when they do them song Sugar High. Yes. And uh, that's Coyote Shivers. He's actually he's one of the stars of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the
0: artist who sings the song, and they hired him because he's a musician. Oh uh, no, there's another reason why they hired him. Oh. Oh, you ready here to hear this? Yeah. He was dating Liv Tyler's mom at what? the time that they her made the mom? movie. Yeah. He, oh, you know, wow. her mom has you know, a wonderful reputation with rock stars. Yeah. And he, you know, he was probably 10, 20 years younger than her mom. And She was dating Coyote at this time, and it actually wound up being a huge bit of nepotism that he wound up getting into the movie because of Liv Tyler being at the pinnacle of her star right there in the 90s. And and then look what happens. He gets a song at the end of it and everything. Oh, it's a huge set piece (laughs) for that movie. It is, but go look that bit up. And the other thing about that on the album soundtrack. Is I do kind of like to hear Renee Zellweger sing it. <laughs> I know. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you had her, you had Robin Tunney, mm-hmm. uh, who I absolutely love in the movie. Like I, Yeah, she's fantastic. I, I love her in, in everything she's ever done because mm-hmm. she was also in uh, The Craft and a bunch of other movies. The Mentalist the mentalist Oh, yes. I love
0: it was a great cop show
1: it was i mean uh-huh. I, I, I love procedurals <laughs> i don't know why it's, it's a sickness probably because i know the answer every time every single uh, time every time i knew who the killer was I'm like <laughs> i saw him in the credits it's that guy. <laughs> um but no i just and and the cast did a great job i think that's a that's a movie that's due for a, a sequel mm-hmm. uh, that'd be cool that, that boy warren in my, <laughs> my opinion, I think they need to have a sequel Warren's now the manager.
0: Yeah. Do you want a job Warren? And he shows up
1: at the end. He's the guy who like mm-hmm. takes over the
0: register. He's like, Oh, I work here. Uh, it's just so much fun to go and watch that movie. And I love your assessment of it being more like what we were really like in the nineties than what the reality bites of uh, yeah. was showing us. And it made me think immediately that you could have had the guys from clerks around the corner From that, I honestly think Renee Zellweger walked over. It's it's that kind of everyday normal. I what I like about it is there's this there's this great sense of 90s optimism there that wasn't, you know, it it hasn't lingered with the 90s the same way. And we look when we look back on it, I think the 90s ended kind of rough with the Limp Biscuit and corn and all the music all of a sudden getting angry and heavy. But right there in 1995. Right in the middle of it, when this movie came out, we were in a glorious place.
1: We were. I mean, we still had a lot of anger coming from that Seattle sound. Yep. But I feel like it later got shifted to be less of an angsty anger and more of just like pissed off anger. Yeah, you're right. I, 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 I don't know. I yearn for that angsty anger. It's there's that there's there's that emo thing that was going on. <laughs> I still enjoy
0: listening to <laughs> that stuff. That's great. Well, let's go on to your final choice, your song, your castaway cut number five. What are you going to take with you for a song? All right. So this one's a cheat. And I say it's a cheat because I got to involve two of my favorite artists at the same time. I like that.
1: Uh, it's the song that I, whenever I get a chance to, uh, when I go on stage and there's a song that I have them play as I get up on stage to introduce me, this is the song. It's got that emotional feel to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, my my individual song is Under Pressure. Nice Uh, by Queen and David Bowie yeah I just love that that opening riff uh, all the way up I will when I get on stage if it's still playing Mm -hmm. I will let it play (laughs) until the guy in the sound booth turns it off I won't cut him off (laughs) I I'm like just let it play if this needs to take my entire you know 15 minute set or whatever let it. <laughs> I just love the song.
0: Is it a song that motivates you then? Is it, a, is it under pressure? Cause you're getting up there. Does it make you happy? What's it brings the joy? It's it's. Yeah. There's not a version of this song. I haven't heard that. Mm-hmm. I have not
1: liked other songs. Some other people have played them and they sound like trash under pressure. Um, my second favorite performance of it ever is from the TV show, The Magicians. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance to look it up on YouTube, they do, it's kind of integrated into their storyline in like a musical episode they do like every year when they were doing the show. And Under Pressure, that that uh, the scat that they do at the beginning, uh, yeah. I, I just love every little piece of it. It makes me happy. Yeah. Like even though it's a song about, you know, the getting pressed down by the man and and, uh, all the pressures of life. It's I'm happy. I, I will be, I I have so much pressure in my day-to-day life. (laughs) I have a, I have a very, my, my day job is very uh, high pressure, high, you know, high stakes, a lot of work, Mm got to get stuff done, a lot of hours. But if I hear under pressure, I'm reminded that as bad as things could ever be for me, all of my friends are going through stuff. Mm -hmm. Everybody I know is going through stuff And as long as we work on it together, then we keep going forward. And this song to me is really about the hope that that brings.
0: Yep, yep. I've I've listened to the song at times when I felt like the song was needed in my life. You know, I've been in sales in my life before and you're not doing well and then you do well and you make a comeback. And that song does kind of propel you or it empowers you and it makes you feel like you can be almost capable of anything, just survive that pressure. And yeah. and yeah, and it's Bowie and it's Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and not Mighty. Vanilla Ice I just, and
1: not no. Vanilla
0: Ice. <laughs> oh,
1: somebody once played that when I went up on stage,
0: oh. and I I called out the DJ. At that I only point. I only brought it up because when I looked it up on Spotify, not from the playlist you sent me, but yeah, I just punched it into Spotify at the top in the list of songs without any mention of Queen or David Bowie. Number nine is Ice Ice Baby. And I'm just like, how does that wind up there? Just because of him lying over that sample, my versions, dun, 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 their version is dun, 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 like, come on, man. So
1: I will, and not to diverge from it, I have a small connection, yeah, a small connection to the vanilla ice, weirdly enough. He went to school miles south of where I live right now. Nice. His high school. And it's not the mean streets that he grew up in. It is it is the suburbs <laughs> Roll of in Dallas.
0: And my 5.0 with my rag top down. No. It's yeah, no. Part. We're in
1: Carrollton, <laughs> Texas. This is the uh, yeah. uh, suburbs.
0: And you know what? I try not to do any lyrics or songs or anything on this show, but yeah. I'm going to take that three seconds of vanilla ice because of what he took off of <laughs> Under Pressure. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no. Right? He is. That, that, that song if I, if I take him out of the mix,
1: mm-hmm. uh, I will say that version of it is only good when he's stealing that piece. <laughs> but that it, it is it's beautiful. And you know when you go back and watch any documentaries about the time when they made that song, it's it's fascinating to hear about you know Bowie was doing his thing at the same studio where they were doing yep. their album, but they had a song written that basically was under pressure. Uh, they asked Bowie to come in and help him out.
0: Do you happen to remember the name of the song? If anybody wants to go and look that was written for Bowie when he came in.
1: Yeah. The name of the song is feel like, Uh, and it's, it just Google uh, queen feel like, and you'll find it. I'm sure there's, there's renditions of it out there somewhere. Okay.
0: So there are versions of it that you can go and look at. That's cool. Movie, you know, uh, under
1: pressure is just this glorious piece. And when you hear those origins, you're like, I see where they started. I see their (laughs) idea, but. Yeah, I, I love that song. I could listen to that on a repeat on my on my island over and over again.
0: That's great. All right. I have one more question I'm going to pose to you that I if you've said you've listened to a few of my shows, you know, but I didn't give you a precursor to this. Is there anything that you didn't bring a, a regret, a song, anything that got left out, an album? Uh, you know,
1: that whole 90s. Uh, grunge scene could have been my entire compilation if I could have gone there. Mm-hmm. You know, the complete works of '90s grunge would have been my my secret if I could have brought that in. But no, I mean, if I'm going to be on a on a desert island, the music that I have picked is going to get me up in the morning. It's going to keep me motivated through the day. It's going to get me through the hard times. Uh, I, I I feel good with what I. You feel picked. good
0: with what you picked. That's great. I, I mean, you can play a movie in your head. You can reminisce yeah. about the best times with your son. You can, yep. uh, well, well, we won't mention castle, but no, with any better. <laughs> no, just in, you know, and to enjoy that, you know, and, and have that music there. That's fantastic. Uh, I really think your choices are great, and it's been a lot of fun to listen to them this week. And I really appreciate you bringing them to the show. And I hope people go out there and check this stuff out. You know, if you're new to the show and you haven't gone to listen to some of the music that we mentioned on it, I highly recommend it. Uh, the Eddie Vedder ukulele album, I really enjoyed. The Little Uzi Vert album, I recommend maybe taking that to the gym and not trying to take <laughs> a bath to it or anything like that. That's not going to work. But it's been great. Ben, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Please let us know when you have some of your comedy stuff ready to go because we were both well to do. see it. That's great. Will do. Thank, thank you so much, Jim. That's great. I'll do a sign off and I'll be right back with you. Ben, thank you very much for joining. Best of luck in all your work that you do with comedy. And it's been wonderful to watch you over the years with your family and everything going on in your lives your son is a champion wrestler and you're just there as one of the most amazing supportive dads uh, it's it's an honor to get to see all of that in your life going on so thank you once again very much for coming on the show it's been great thank you Jeff you're welcome Appreciate it. all right everybody we will catch you next time peace love and podcast